He always seems to get involved, doesn't he? I'm telling you, too many coconuts have hit him right on top of the skull. Well, I think uh, Anthony will be a great acquisition. He can do it all. Avery, whose show is this? Welcome everybody here to the Lakers Lounge. I'm Anthony Irwin, today joined by a good buddy of mine, somebody who is quite possibly one of the busier people in basketball media right now, um, was able to squeeze me in despite how busy he is right now. Adam Ades of DNVR, of Locked On Nuggets, of my personal friendship hood or whatever. <laughs> how you doing, buddy? I, we, we, we made it. Like the, you're, you're hours from the NBA Finals. Man, yeah, thank God. I'll be honest. You know, like the Nuggets ended this. You remember that. The Nuggets ended the conference finals nine or ten days ago. And you kind of mentally know, like, okay, it's going to be a long layoff, whatever. And then you go through it, and you're like, my God, man. The Nuggets, Jeff Green said it yesterday. It feels like we're not even in the playoffs anymore. (laughs) It's so true. This break has been absurd. um, And I, I guess I'm almost actually a little concerned about it. We'll get to that um, and the basketball aspect of all of this here in a bit. But I want to start here. Uh, you and I used to do, for years, we used to do Locked On NBA together. And um, one of the, I think, biggest points of contention that you have with me and the way that I look at the league is, uh, well, be- beyond Baker- Lakers fandom. But like, um, but like the, the, the fact that I, I held it against, or you felt like, I think, I held it against teams for not going all in and not pursuing championships when that opportunity presented itself because I, and, and, and uh, you know, the way you, you, I think re- I remember you phrasing it is there are just some teams, there are just some fandoms that you just feel like we're never going to win a championship and chief among them for you, right. Was the, was the nuggets. I remember distinctly multiple times over you saying it's just never going to happen. You know, We've we've all we've all grown used to it. This is just an admission of of the way things are. But now you've reached here. Like, have you had an existential crisis over this? Like the fact that that you, I mean, you're happy to be wrong, but you 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 know you were wrong. Well, all it took was a, a transcendent forty first pick, right? Like, <laughs> all, all it took is the guy who statistically is the greatest player of all time. I mean, he might not actually, but but statistically, I mean, the numbers say he is. Mm-hmm. Being taken in the second round, and um, you know, obviously, it took an enormous amount of luck. One of the things I always preach, though, Anthony, because every fan experience—this is the thing I like the point of contention. Every fan experience is different. Like, mm-hmm. there's all these different ones, and I've always said, and your fans are going to hate this, but I've always said the Lakers fan experience is one thing, and it's—is it 17 championships now? How many? Yeah, I've lost count. Is it 17? You know, that's a great experience. It you depends know? on, like, if you're counting the Minnesota ones and stuff, but yeah. So. Well, sure. I mean, sure. But either way you slice it, mm-hmm. a lot of championships, a lot of success, a lot of uh, near championships and everything else, and always at the forefront. And that's a great experience in its own type. The one that Lakers fans will never get, and Nuggets fans will never get that, by the way. I said they'll never win a championship. I'll go ahead and say they'll never win 17 championships. I'll, <laughs> I'll move the goalposts just a little bit now. All right. As, as they might win <laughs> But the 135 years later, you and I are going to come back to this exact conversation and they might have 17. (laughs) But Nuggets fans get an experience Lakers fans don't. And that is the feeling of 
utter hopelessness, or, or I should say certainty that your team will never win it, but yet mm. hope that you one day will. And yeah. that's a very, very unique experience. And that's what Denver's going through. And that's what I'm going through. Vikings so, yeah. fandom. What's that? <laughs> I'm a Vikings fan. I can relate. <laughs> right, right, right. You get a cross experience here or there. But, yeah. you know, as far as basketball experiences go, and there's Denver's not alone in this. I mean, I imagine there's a handful of franchises that feel similarly. But it is, <clears throat> I will say, <clears throat> it is a very, um, <laughs> I wouldn't trade it. It's an incredible feeling to be like, to, to, carry hope in the face of like absolute certainty that you're going to lose and then yeah. have that hope rewarded, uh, in some way. Yeah, no, I, I, that's, that's actually kind of a perfect summation of, of kind of what I was hoping to hear is, is, uh, you try to convince yourself maybe just maybe, but like in the back of your mind, you're saying like, mm, you know, we'll give it the old college try. And, and, um, you know, the nuggets did stay patient uh, they did wind up, you know, u- utilizing the, you know, they, they traded Gary Harris for, for Aaron Gordon, and then they go out and they trade um, Monty Morris for, for noted NBA champion Contavious Caldwell Pope. Um, and, and uh, you know, here they find themselves right now on the precipice of what I feel like, and again, we'll talk about the bas- basketball aspect of this here in a bit. What I feel like is, is you know, they're overwhelming favorites in the series. And, and, you know, should things kind of play out the way that they kind of should, you know, four, five, six games from now, the, the, the Nuggets are going to be crowned. And, you know, I'm curious how, how the city is taking that because, um, you know, it's a, it's a city that hasn't been able to watch their team because of the stupid uh, cable conflict. Um, it's a city that loves their Denver Nuggets, loves their Colorado Avalanche. Um, and, and the Nuggets, like, you know, when, when you and I have talked about it, the Nuggets were kind of like on their way up, but it, it didn't really, you felt like it didn't really necessarily resonate. But now they're winning resonates. This kind of winning where it looks like they're, they're going to win this championship and might rip off a couple. Um, you know, how, how's the city responding to this Denver Nuggets run? Um, you know, the city is, is everybody's in Nuggets gear and, and there's an excitement. You know, Denver's had this the Rockies went to the uh, World Series in 2007. That was kind of a, you know, like a one-off, but it was a, this moment where there was Rockies fever in town. Everybody kind of yeah. got excited and into it. And of course the whole state was painted purple. I mean, we've had Stanley Cup runs, including last year where, you know, there's a diehard base of Avalanche fans, but then the whole city becomes Avalanche fans. So it's that, but for the Nuggets, and really yeah. the first time in 15 years since 2009, you know, with, with the Chauncey air, the Nuggets made, as you know, the Western Conference Finals in 2020, but everybody was locked down. So there was none of this, this excitement. Yep. But, um, but no, so um, it's just like that only for the Nuggets this time, which is cool and special in its own right, uh, just because it was so uh, unexpected. So I'm, it's pretty great. Bars are packed. There's all these different places that have converted into being like Denver Nuggets gathering places, you know, outdoor venues where they're giant screens are now oh, showing cool. the Nuggets game and everybody goes and watches it outside. So it's cool that all of these places that have been known for, oh, when major events come around, that right now the major event is the Denver Nuggets. That's awesome. That's really cool to hear. Um, let's get to the basketball. Uh, I have <clears throat> obviously had front row seats to the Denver Nuggets um, and how good they can look in the previous series. Um, and... Obviously, we've all been paying attention to this insane Miami Heat run. Basketball-wise, like my brain is just like, I can't find a basketball reason 
why Miami would even give Denver a difficult run here. Um, I can't find one. There are, you know, you think the zone, well, Denver's incredible against the zone. You think, well, maybe they can throw somebody else on on Jokic and, and have Bam roam around and have him clog up passing lanes. Well, we, you know, it worked a little bit against the Lakers, but who do they don't have like <laughs> LeBron to throw on on uh, Jokic in in that same way? So, is there anything that you're like concerned about with Miami? I mean, of course. I look. I think that people, myself included, probably have made this out to be a little bit too much of a easy, you know, like, oh, Denver's just going to smack them. I think Denver's the better team, and I love this matchup. I think it's a good matchup for Denver. But there's basketball, The as we've learned, especially over the last four years, during this, what I think might be a little bit of the tail end of the super team era, is that there yeah. is the, just the talent gap, and that's usually how we analyze sports. Well, the talent over here is better than the talent over there. This team is going to win. And there's a lot of truth to that, but it's not the whole truth. And I think both Denver and Miami are such perfect examples of this. They are great teams. They mm -hmm. play connected. They play disciplined. They have great leadership. And they also have a great internal narrative yeah, that brilliant. drives them. And I think this was one of the things when people were getting upset, yourself included, about Michael Malone. Why is he playing the underdog card? They're technically favorites here or there. Again, because he's not talking to you. He's talking to his team and he's telling mm -hmm. them, remember, it's not about are we underdogs at this very second? Are we underdogs here or there? It's that when we started this thing, everyone, including Adam Matis, said we are not going to win a championship. We're never going to get there. And now that maybe some people are late to the game, you know, and now they're starting to say yes, this or that. Don't let that fool you for the arc that we have been on from the very start to where we are now. And Miami has that exact same thing. And it's not a small thing. When you know who you are and you have something that everybody has agreed upon as your story, this is who we are, this is how we do things, this is how we're going to win, and this is the mentality we have to have to get to that level. When you do that, it allows you to do, you know, allows you to, um, it, it allows you to really full, uh, come together and form and, and get behind a single cause and, and, and all work in uh, uniformity. So I think Miami has that in spades. Their defense is incredible. And Denver's not going to beat them by them not knowing who they are or where they go, which is something that I think actually has happened to the Phoenix Suns and even the Los Angeles Lakers in some extent. In that series, they had a way of winning, but once that broke, it was, well, who are we? Miami yeah. knows who they are at their core, and you're not going to break them and make them ask that themselves that question. Yeah, the Lakers, <laughs> the, the notion of a team having an identity when they played two months together, so <laughs> it's like it wasn't going to happen. Um, but yeah, I, I think that's interesting, but I also feel like, and I guess it, to a certain extent, it's not like Michael Malone and, and Eric Spolster, they're making their case to each other about them being underdogs, right? They're making their case to their team about being underdogs. But in this one, like, how do you think Denver combats now j actually being over, like Vegas considers them that, ESPN, all you know all of the major platforms considers them overwhelming favorites here is there and then and then you add on top of that the 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 long break that they've been on where all they've heard about is the fact that they are going to be overwhelming favorites in this series do you are you concerned about that identity carrying over this long layoff um yes uh, and again not like 
in a grand scale, but in a small scale. And I mean, honestly, let's be serious. Most of this has to do with game one. I think after that, yeah. you're just back in playing and you're back in rhythm. Yep. But in game one, you know, Denver had a great rhythm. They've won all three game ones. And I think they've been up by 20 or more points in all three of them at some point. Mm -hmm. I mean, the Lakers came back and made that famously made that a close game. But Denver dominated that game up until yeah. the fourth quarter. Until they, they didn't. And, and, and before, you know, the Rui adjustment came in and, and, and made an impact and then textured the conversation around the rest of the, the series. But nonetheless, the point is that Denver has punched hard and punched, for, punched first and punched hard in all of these series. So if you don't do that tonight because you're rusty and you're out of rhythm and it takes this or that, do you lose something? Denver has not trailed in a series so far in the playoffs. Yeah, They haven't really faced that kind of adversity. They haven't lost at home in the series. So game one, I think, carries a sort of important psychological um, importance to it. And yeah, of course, if Denver is a little clunky and just not ready for the intensity of the moment. And by the way, Anthony, also just the theatrics of the moment, being around the finals now, it's different. <laughs> you yeah. know, there, there's a lot of more just weird going on. So um I think they so, yeah. said that ESPN is going to have like 15 super slow-mo cameras there. The timeout breaks are going to be longer. Halftime is going to be longer. Like it is, it is a different environment unto itself. Yeah. And, you know, Nikola Jokic, he always talks about how and, – and players talk about how he doesn't change day to day. He does the exact same routine. Doesn't matter the circumstances. His mood never wavers, this or that. And I did think about – some of his routine is going to get interrupted just because of how, you know, the finals, there's different media obligations. There's different times you get to come out on the court and have to go back. So it's another thing I've kind of thought about is some people who are creatures of habit, even minor disruptions to that can throw them off. Yeah. I, as you were making the point about, you know, not having trailed in the playoffs to this point and not having lost a home playoff game, that was all the case with the Lakers. And we saw the impact that that had on them, you know, we saw what that what that looked like, and um, yeah, it, it is going to be really interesting to see how Denver handles that. I, I still think, though, these guys, this core has been together for what seven years, ten? Like, well, when Jamal, you say the core, you really just mean Murray and Jokic. Yeah, yeah. And, and they've been together since yeah, two thousand. And Malone, and Michael Malone, yeah. and Michael Malone. Mm -hmm. Yep. And then you add Michael Porter a little bit later. You know, his career has been weird just because. <laughs> He didn't so many play, and he missed he's missed two full seasons basically. Yeah. So um, you know, it's been it's been choppy, but you're right that Michael Malone, Nikola Jokic, Jamal Murray, that's the real solid core of the of this era, and they have yeah. been together this whole time. Yeah, it, it it's funny, like all the there's always gonna be takes one way or the other on the bubble. And like to me, the core identities of those teams has remained intact, right? The 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 Lakers with AD LeBron um, and, and then, you know, the identity they finally got back to this year, the, the Celtics, right. With Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown and, and that identity, Miami's heat culture. And then, and then Denver's core that we just mentioned like that, that, that those four teams met up again in the conference finals again. And I think it kind of proves the, the concept of, of all four of those teams. But the reason I mentioned the length of time that those, that those guys have been together is like, I, not only has it been a lot of time, but it's also been a lot of adversity, right? Like Jamal Murray goes through his, goes through his injuries and, or, and uh, Nikola Jokic grows into the superstar. And there's always those growing pains that comes with that. Michael Malone has always been kind of questioned as, as a top tier coach. 
and and you know that much time together and that much adversity that and uh, you know you mentioned Michael Porter Jr. as well and his his injuries as well. You know, if if they do get down in 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 a in a series here, I do feel like that's something that they can at least lean on. Whereas like the Lakers, they got down in the series, they had the adversity, and they were like, "Well, shit, <laughs> Dude, we've been we've been so good for two months now, and and then now the series feels like it's over, and 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 that was um, really difficult to kind of uh, cope with for them. For Denver, though, they they do have that adversity to kind of lean on, and I again, I just keep coming back to essentially. Every point that can be made in Miami's favor, I just keep coming back to. Yeah, I, Denver can answer that qu- pretty easily with this. And and so, talk me out of me thinking that this is going to be a four or five game series. Um, I mean, first of all, the the easiest way to talk you out of it is to say every team that's played Miami has said the same thing. It's going to be a four or five game series. So yeah. I think number one, you just say there's something about this team that is bringing them success despite what maybe the numbers say, or maybe even what, you know, our, our, our logic says. And I think we're a little bit in an in-between era in the NBA where I feel like I actually think as analysts general, I'm like painting with a broad brush here. We've actually been wrong on, on more than we realize because we're still in the traditional model of just throw these stars together. And then this is going to work. These are the guys, but I mean, the, the, (laughs) the Raptors won. The Bucks won. Um, you know, the Warriors won last year. I know they weren't an underdog because they're a champion, but nobody was really seeing it until it happened. Yeah. And, then, and then it kind of caught everybody off guard. So there have been some of these, I think, where we are, some of our, I think, biases may be, or some of the traditional ways of thinking may be a little less impactful than we realize. And we just haven't caught up to that yet. And Miami mm-hmm. is perhaps the best example of that. There's something that we are undervaluing and what they bring to the table that has gotten them here and it's hard to see and it doesn't fit the traditional models um and, and we'll see how it plays out but that would be the argument because i don't think there's necessarily a great talent one and i don't know that there's necessarily a great like matchup one no yeah <laughs> i'm i i just i i can't think of what miami can do here other than like you're talking about those intangibles just weighing so heavily that like you're saying we're just in this in this heavily analytical like you mentioned the stars and stuff like that but we know more. We feel like we know more about the sport now than we have ever, right? And that's only getting to be more and more the case. Um, and yeah, and yet, no. But Anthony, one thing I'll say is, when we say we know more about the sport, one thing people always said about Jokic is, well, you can't win with an offensive center. Like you need to have a rim protection is the most important thing, and all that stuff he does. And I've always thought that was wrong, but I understand why people said it because going off tradition, there yeah. was like you know that there's historical precedent for it. There's no historical precedent for Nikola Jokic. There's no player no. like it. So he gets boxed into the Enos Cantor category because it's like, oh, offensive center. Yeah, I know that. Vucevic, Cantor, you know, and you're like, no, 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 no. This is different. This is completely different. You can't yeah. put him into that box. He also tries on defense. Like I, I've, I've always thought the whole knock on, yeah, he is slow footed and that is always going to be the case. But like, I also feel like, and I think Steph is an interesting kind of counter example here too. In that, like, Steph was slight, and he can be moved off his spot defensively and stuff like that. But he worked his ass off to become okay on defense. And I feel like like watching Jokic defend in the last series, I felt like he was working his ass off to try to defend, especially in bigger moments. And, like, the difference with him doing that 
and the Ines Canners and the Nikola Vuceviches and and those kinds of players. And Pau Gasol is an example of this too, in, in the same kind of realm as Jokic is if you compete on defense and you're okay on defense and then you're great on offense, you're overwhelming on offense, that is like a pretty tried and true method of being good at basketball. You just can't be a disaster because in the playoffs, if you're a disaster, you're going to get picked on. Um, I think Jokic deserves a ton of credit for, for the strides he's taken forward on, on, on defense. And it all just starts with like giving a fuck. Like he, yeah. he cares. <laughs> being smart. You know, I mean, he sees things before they happen. So he can kind of know like, okay, where's the pressure point? I can try to funnel him this way or funnel that way. He communicates mm-hmm. on, on defense. You know, he's the, the anchor. So he's, he communicates well and, and all those types of things. So he has his things, but I just mean the traditional, you know, if you, if you're a big, you have to be able to do this, this, and this, because yeah. 98% of championship teams have had a big that done that, that has done that. And that's all I mean to say is, yes, we know a lot about basketball, but I also feel like there is more experimentation going on. And I don't think it's a coincidence, by the way, that this Miami Heat team has Eric Spolstra. I thought this of in 2013, really it started before that, but in 2013, the Spurs make the finals and mm-hmm. with a whole new style of basketball, right, from what their previous eras were. And that was a great coach and Greg Popovich really realizing where the game was going and being the first to say, no, we need to put emphasis on the corners. We're going to spread the court in this way and play this style of basketball. And he was the first wave. And now years later, you can look back at that and say, oh, of course they were good. Like they did these yeah. things, but it wasn't as obvious at the time. I even think this is true to some extent of the Orlando Magic of 2009, a team that I think at the yeah. time people thought was like lucky to get to the finals. They played essentially two stretch bigs in Turkaloo and Richard Lewis. And now mm-hmm. you look at it and you go, well, how could they beat some of these bigger teams or this, that? It's like, well, they were ahead of the curve a little bit. Miami and Denver both might have be on to something that's ahead of the curve that we look at now and say, how did they make the finals? But yeah. in three, four years, we go, oh, they were the first teams that were doing, you know, X, Y, or Z. Yeah using their bigs up at the elbows and using them as facilitators, which opened up the paint and allowed for these different things and, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. The, I mean, Spostra also, right. The amoeba defense going positionless, right. That was something that now it's like, yeah, that's just kind of how teams play if they can. And, and he was the first person to put that into, into effect and absolutely unlocked. Like we thought LeBron was great before, but looking at him and those, that, that, you know, switch everything defense and, and a paint that was wide open because Chris Bosch was standing at the corner and it, it, he's shooting threes. Um, yeah, yeah, he's, he's pretty effing good at what he's doing. Um, all right. The, I, you and I have, um, I think obviously disagreed on, on a bunch over the course of the, of, of the years, but one thing I think that you and I have been pretty in lockstep on has been, uh, the, the the portrayal of the league by their partners, right? And, um, you know, this notion that everything that is going to be big can only be its biggest if, like, the Lakers are involved or if Boston or Golden State or New York is involved. And now here you have a finals uh, series going into it between Denver and Miami, and it feels like what should be a real opportunity here for the league to showcase, no, hey, there's a whole bunch of cool stuff that's going on outside of those of those markets um do you think how confident are you in espn's ability to do that or do you think at halftime we'll get Kyrie to the lakers rumors um my hottest take of the finals 
and really of this entire playoff run is I think that people are wrong about Jokic's ability to be the face of the league. Mm. I think people are really wrong about it. And I think that now the traditional models have been one, you need the big market. I think that's mostly true. And two, you need the um, soap opera of it. You need these guys that can create drama or somehow at the heart of drama. My take, and I've been sharing this on DNVR, but my take is who's the most famous baseball player in the world? Shohei. Barely speaks English. Mm-hmm. We know nothing about his personal life. There's no drama to him. He's yeah. just fun as hell to watch. And yeah. there's something too. He's the, he's best the most show. unique player of his generation. <laughs> Guess what Jokic is? Yeah. The most unique player of his generation. Doesn't speak English. And I've and I say this, Anthony, because I'm watching this playoff run. And I've long suspected that nobody's watching Jokic, like actually watching him. They watch the clips and they get the narrative. And I just think as media, in the social media era, most people are trained to find the narrative. I mean, what is the, the gossip? And then turn that into, you know, as much content as you can. And Jokic doesn't give you that. But what he gives you is the same thing Shohei Otani gives you, which is one, dominance. And mm-hmm. two, you just this unique thing where you're kind of like, I don't know what I'm about to see. Is it going to be a home run? Is it going to be a no hitter? Is it going to be like, what? Is it going to be a clutch hit? Like, I don't know. It's going to be something exciting. And, and with Jokic, it's the exact same way. So I watch all these beat reporters from ESPN and The Athletic and different places come to Denver for the first time, by the way, Anthony. I'm here. I'm here. I know who's here and who's not. Nobody's here. And I watch him come. And on day one, you know, the Timberwolf series, like, oh, okay, let's see what happens. You start watching and they go, man, Jokic is. Pretty, pretty interesting, isn't he? He's kind of an interesting <laughs> player to watch, even though he's not six. He's like, yeah. Then you watch the uh, 53 points against uh, the Phoenix, Phoenix. Suns, out dueling, like clearly the best player in a series that features Kevin Durant and Devin Booker having the series of his life. Yet Jokic is a whole nother tier above. And they go, yeah, my God, I had no idea this guy was so dominant. And so, and then you get to the Lakers and same thing. And I just watch people go beat reporters come in and say, man, I really like this guy. The same way that I like him and my audience likes him. And I think people, there's not a quick get you in the door sale with Jokic. Like you kind of have to pay attention and you have to go. But once you do, everybody feels about him the same way I do. And some, which is this guy's really interesting. And I just think the NBA might arrive at a point where everybody's forced to watch him. And by the end of this finals, they might go, you know, that was one of my favorite basketball experiences. I might want more of that. Mm Mm-hmm. So that was a cool and eloquent, eloquent way to, of saying uh, Jokic is really good if you care about the sport, and ESPN hasn't really cared about the sport in a little while. <laughs> but it's even, it's even easier than that. Like, you don't have to be a diehard basketball fan. It's even easy. Just sometimes the highlights. Like, why was Larry Bird so popular and Jokic not? Was it his personality? Maybe a little bit. Was it Boston? Probably a lot of bit. Yeah. But it was also that he just played the game in such a dominant and fun style with no look passes and this or that. And Yoke does the same. Well, I mean, he, he was also an American white guy who was a real, like we watched that guy grow up through college, right? Was a dominant college player. And you had the NCAA finals between him and magic. And then it just so happens that the Lakers were basically all black with Kurt Rambis and the red, uh, the, 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 Celtics had Ainge and Bird, so it became this kind of white versus black okay. thing. And, and McHale. You know, and, and McHale, yeah. So 
Yeah, I, I think there's some other there stuff going on that, there too. But I, I'm saying I think those parts are a little overstated, especially in today's day and age, which is different from the 80s, America and the world at large. Yeah. I just am saying I think those things are overstated in our minds because we're so comfortable talking about them. And I think that they're, they're a little overstated. But people, when they actually get here, they suddenly realize, I actually don't care what he says. I don't care what drama there is. He's just fun to watch play basketball. Yeah. I also think he's like funnier than people give him credit for because it's like like – People don't, again, I, I couldn't help myself. You and I did a show together for years and I couldn't shut you up about the Denver Nuggets. So it was like, I, I, I have watched this guy grow from, right. I, you know, Hey, this guy might be pretty good to Holy shit. He's really good to Holy shit. He's great. Um, and, and, and like, you know, what, watching you kind of, uh, take me through those steps, um, has, has been fascinating. And that's kind of what I wanted to end on here. And, um, you know, you're, you're doing you're doing the thing with D, D, DNVR, um, a really cool platform that you guys have built um, over a, a really short stretch to go from to go from where you were to where you are in as quickly as you have um, has been really interesting. And, and it, it's, you know, offered me kind of a look into what fans care about. Right. And what fans want in from their sports and um I think the biggest thing is like every time I tune into you guys, it's, it's just, it's just, you, you guys are having fun. And even if, you know, it really helps that uh, the, the nuggets have been good. And then our art, you know, have been on this championship trajectory while you guys have been building this thing, but you guys seem to just really enjoy the fun of it and each other and, and that communal aspect of this. And, you know, with, with what, what you have watched as you guys have built DNVR and the role that somebody like Jokic, who's like kind of, who's a cult hero, who you know, he's a, he's an indie band who is on the precipice of of selling out potentially. Um, like, what's that experience been like for us as DNVR? You're saying, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, like, like you guys. I'm, I mean, it, it's great. Nobody yeah. has ever like covered a championship team in the way that you guys are, in the sense right. that you guys are growing while the team that you're covering is, you know, yeah. and and your your platform continues to grow you know side by side with with this thing so that by the time Jokic is ready for the national stage you guys kind of are too right yeah no i mean no no question about it we've both before dnvr formed the various people that now make it up have been following Jokic from the start and then came mm -hmm. together of course in 2019 and you know made the super team that now is dnvr but yes it's been the cool thing is we celebrate this holiday here in Denver, Yokemas, December 15th, 2016. It was the day that Nikola Jokic was named the starter and basically where the organization said, we're starting something here and he's our guy. And yeah. from that point on, I always, you know, the story has been this great ride of ascension. But I always go back because at that time, there was an article written by one of our local rivals, uh, well, former rivals, I should say, but one of our former <laughs> local rivals who said something to the effect of Nuggets need to trade Jokic now while his value is most inflated or something. Like this is 2016, right? And mm -hmm. it was this whole thing of the Nuggets aren't worth your time. They're not relevant because they keep getting their hopes up on dumb players like Jokic. And then they doubled down in 2017 and 2018. And it's been fun to be the voice of opposition to that narrative. And then, of course, to win, because, of course, when you bet against something yeah. and, then, and then it happens, you know, then you, then it's hard to play catch up. And I think in Denver and really for the online 
community, the people that get their their media content their, from from the internet, podcasts, YouTube, written articles, you know, blogs, social media, we've kind of won that battle so that this ascension has been tied to us in a way. Yeah. You know, like, hey, that's where you go to get the story of the people that know what's going on or this or that. And so that part's been great. And I think about Barstool. Barstool started in Boston back in the early 2000s as this little blog. And what happened in Boston in the 2000s? They won everything. They won yeah. hockey. They won basketball. They won football. They won college. Um, they won baseball. And sometimes a company, a startup needs a little luck. Avalanche won last year. The Nuggets are in the finals this year. Coach Prime has arrived in Boulder. Like there's a lot of things that I look at and I go, yeah. sometimes a good idea is only part of it. You need a lot of breaks along the way. And hopefully this is our break. Yeah. I mean, the, the equivalent would be Lakers nation. Right. Um, and you know, I was at silver screen, so they were our key. We were trying to catch Lakers nation. And while that was building, you had Kobe <laughs> and right. it was, it was the Kobe era. And, and yeah, that, that, um, I, that doesn't take hold the way it does if the Lakers were in the middle of like the tanking years. Like right. I built, <laughs> I was trying to build stuff during the tanking years, and it was not fun. <laughs> it was <laughs> um, to 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 go through all of right, that. Right. Um, but even in tanking, rights to Ricky Sanchez was born out of the yeah. process, oh. the, the tanking era. But at least it had a point in a direction. The Lakers eras you're talking about were a little more wandering in the desert than they well, were. I, it kind of like I, I guess like it. What, what kind of helped was that like Lakers Nation by that time had developed such a relationship with the Lakers that there were certain things that they couldn't say. So when the Lakers were tanking, I leaned all the way into Team Tank <laughs> because they, they couldn't talk about that. So so right. like it it did kind of help, but it would have been it certainly took off a lot more when the Lakers started looking good recently. Um, all right, I want to wrap on this um, before we get you out of here. So the 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 Nuggets here, I I still. I, maybe it's just me being stubborn and, and I understand what you're talking about in the intangibles and, and there being an aspect of basketball that we just aren't acknowledging right now that Miami does really well. That's going to matter like five years from now, but I still can't get, like I can't wrap my head around this thing being a, a legitimately competitive series. Um, what would winning a championship, like if it happens, what would winning a championship mean for Jokic and for the Nuggets not just nationally where like you know they'll they'll get a Christmas day game they'll play on opening night and all that stuff um <laughs> they'll get a Christmas day game they have a two-time MVP but it's like all right we'll let you play on Christmas am I wrong like <laughs> well they played this year but they didn't play two years ago so you're yeah right. um and and so like that you know they are I you know by playing in this series especially if they win um, they are going to, they are going to, like I said, they're an indie band that's about to get a lot bigger. Um, locally though, it, will this, do you think this will pressure the nuggets and, and, and the cable company to get them on more locally so that this really can take hold in, in a bigger way? Um, yeah, I mean, no question about it. So first of all, you said, what does it mean? Let's first say Jokic had an interesting comment after, you know, this last week where he was asked about the feeling of beating the Lakers. And he goes, to be mm -hmm. honest, I thought it would be more. He's like, <laughs> I was like 30 minutes of happiness. And then it just kind of was like any other day, which is they only a madman. <laughs> Nikola <laughs> Jokic is Don Draper. Yeah. But, but to be honest, yeah, exactly. Happiness, a moment before you need more happiness. And I, <laughs> and I'll be honest, Anthony, I've long wondered that question in part because of the madman quote, you know, like the madman quote, I, 
there is something to we all have this anticipation of what it will feel like and what it'll be and how we'll, how we'll exist afterwards. And I've long wondered if that's all not true. If you just kind of go home and watch TV or something afterwards and, and we'll see. So part of me wonders that at a personal level, and I think Jokic on a personal level too. But if you step outside of personal feelings, for Jokic, we'll see what happens. You lose the finals, all this stuff is, is, is crazy. But if you win two MVPs, and an NBA championship by 28. Likely finals MVP. Likely finals MVP. Triple-double average in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Resume is going to start to stack up with some all-time greats. Not just some like, you know, Yoke didn't make the top 75 list a couple of years back. Yeah. He'd make the top 25 list if you get out of this with a championship. I, I mean, in my opinion, you just start to mm-hmm. look at the guys who are there and say, there's a lot of guys there that, one, don't have a championship, don't have two MVPs never came close to averaging any of the scoring, rebounding, or assisting that Jokic puts up in the playoffs. So I think that for him personally, he'll he'll be thought of. I think the whiplash we'll get from the Jokic takes will be, will be wild. But you're right that the second part of that is that Jokic and the Nuggets have benefited in some ways from the lack of attention that they'll no yeah. longer be able to escape. And I think that there is a chance. It's been their identity, like the fact that they get that they get here, and it's finally like, oh shit, this guy's pretty good. Like it, like you said, that was something that Michael Malone has really built in them. Look at me, I'm already saying Michael Malone. I hate myself, but <laughs> um, but but like it's it's something that he has like hammered into them. I think Jokic said that they were the betting uh, underdogs in the last series. So like he's even that's like objectively untrue, and he's just like he's he's hey, bought well, first into of all, it. First of all, do you think Jokic is on the internet? No. Do you think Jokic is checking the latest sports books? Only for like the odds that his horses are going to do. Well. Yeah, he actually might be horse <laughs> right. Keep it on that. Um, so yeah, of course. And even in this one, he was asked, and I loved it. He was said something about being the favorites, and he goes, "We're the favorites." You know, like, what do you mean? Yeah. But I, I think there's a, a irony to him as well, saying like, "You guys talk about basketball, but you don't get it. Like, we we have our battles over here, and you guys talk about these." Like the Rui adjustment. You guys talked about that. We were more concerned about the LeBron adjustment than we were the Rui one. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a little bit of that. Um, but no, I think the attention would come for Denver in ways that would be both really cool and exciting. And and there are some positives that come with that. But I think for Jokic in particular, <laughs> and he probably in the back of his mind knows it, you win this one, it's the last fun season you have. <laughs> <Because> <laughs> You're going to have a lot of expectations. Yeah. Not even ex- I don't think he cares about expectations because I think he ignores them. I think he cares about features being forced upon him and interviews and people flying in that he can't escape and, and just yeah. the attention and the commentary that he wants no part of and has been able to avoid will, will probably be staring him in the face. Yeah. Well, best of luck, buddy. I'm happy that you were wrong all those years ago when you said that they were never going to experience hey, this well, not I, over. I I bet I you know so so far I've bet on the Nuggets you know minus a game and a half, um, and I'm really close to betting on a sweep. I just I just don't see it. I just don't I just don't I don't see uh, I don't see the matchup here. I think the Lakers are better than Miami, and we saw them get swept by the Nuggets. The Nuggets. I get you mentioned you mentioned like the things that we look back on right. I think the Nuggets like we're gonna look back on them and be like that was a fucking buzzsaw. That was an insane team that finally came together, finally got healthy, finally had, you know, the right matchups. And Jokic, you know, took another step forward. That was this was the beginning of a great team. And uh yeah, I, I just I just don't see Miami's been a really cool series, you know, story and 
the idea that intangibles matter is really cool to me. Um, but like a lot of those same intangibles, a lot of that culture stuff you could say about Denver too. So yeah, I just, I just don't see this being a, a very close series. So, you know, congratulations four games from now. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Four games from now. <laughs> Best of luck, dude. Again, you can check out all of this stuff at DNVR and on locked on nuggets. Missed doing a show with you, buddy. Congratulations on all the success. And, and, uh, we'll, we'll talk to you soon.